Sports Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedCity.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is my twin by eight years younger, and that's the greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I'm doing good. I'm If I sound more relaxed or whatever, it's because I got back from Mexico five days ago. A great six-day trip, no kids, me and my wife sitting at the beach going to a pool. I had so much raw fish that it was amazing. It was an, I, I recommend if you can afford it, everybody go to me- an all-inclusive resort in Mexico. Yeah, it, it's it's been a while for me. Me I, too. This I, was the first one in a while. Ty, I, I mentioned twins because I think the last few podcasts I've brought this up, this concept of twin movies. Because mm-hmm. during the summer, we've been talking about movies, a lot of different uh, things. And I'm, we're getting good response to people saying that. But I have gotten a few people going, are you talking about movies that have twins in them? And when I say twin films, and I'm like, no. If people want to know, you can go to Wikipedia. They have a great article if you type this in. But the concept, and I'm going to read it straight here from Wikipedia. The concept of twin films are films with the same or similar plots produced and released at the same time by two different film studios. Now, the example I keep using is this year we had Renfield and then The Last Voyage of the Demeter, two Dracula movies, two wildly different. One's a comedy, one's a horror movie. But they're actually released by the same studio, which is even weirder. I oh, think Warner Brothers, I didn't know that. yeah, which Warner Brothers <laughs> released them both. And how do you get this? And some of these I'm going to talk about. People really know. I'm not going to talk about some of the most obvious ones, except in two very famous cases. But like in the early 2000s, there were two movies about the first daughter, one with Katie Holmes in it, and uh, oh, yeah, I remember know. that. And so uh, what happens a lot of times is people. I talked about this in the Canon Films podcast is. They'll somebody will write a spec script and people will bid on it. And then somebody will buy that spec script, put it in production, and somebody else likes the idea. So they'll commission another script and put it into production. And so you'll get these times where you'll have movies, again, very similar plots. I don't want to give away anything to give you any of my examples yet that come out. And in the most cases, one of the movies is very successful and the other one's not. In some very rare cases, both movies do really well. So I divided this up into two parts, Ty, in that the first part is movies that have similar plots, but they're very different films. And you'll understand what I mean when I talk about that. And then the second half is these are flat out nearly copycats of each other. And I'm going to bend the rules in a few places. At the end of this first part, I'm going to be talking about some toy lines that had movies that came out. But uh-huh. it, with with that, I, I wanted to start with the story of the movie The Towering Inferno. Now, do you know what I'm talking about when I say The Towering Inferno? Yeah, I am. I'm familiar with what that is. And it's funny, my first inkling or like knowledge of anything Towering Inferno is that in the movie Kentucky Fried Movie, they kept showing a trailer for a fake movie that was like The Towering Inferno and it kept breaking in. For people who don't know, Kentucky Fried Movie is like a sketch movie. It's a really good movie. It's a Zucker but, Brothers first film. Yeah. I, and our father showed it to all of us probably when we were way too young. <laughs> but thank you, Dad, for showing that to us. But I remember they kept showing it. And when I watched it, I was probably 14 or 15. I kept asking our dad, what is this movie they're referencing? So he told me about it. And I still, to this day, have never seen The Towering Inferno, but I know what it's about. It's the first of the big Hollywood disaster films. And speaking of the Zucker Brothers, Airplane is based off of one of these types of movies. And the reason they got Leslie Nielsen is because he was a serious actor who was in the these types of movies and they thought it'd be funny picture him doing a serious movie at all now have you been watching hard knocks 
No, I don't watch Hard Knocks. Oh, man, man. I haven't watched for a few years watching this one. But there's a, you learn that Aaron Rodgers makes all his teammates learn Leslie Nielsen quotes from movies. Uh, Aaron Rodgers can <laughs> kick dirt, though, man. That's right. You're on the Jordan Love bandwagon now. <laughs> 100%. You get to be where once Cousins is gone from Minnesota, then I don't care who it is. I'm hoping yep. it's broke-ass <laughs> Kyler Murray. I, I don't care who it is. I'm going to root for yep. him again. That's as soon as Aaron Rodgers left for the Jets, I believe I texted our father, let the Jordan love Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Towering Inferno. This was famous. It's a 1974 movie, I think. Just a massive all-star cast of people. What was happening is there were two movies with similar plots being filmed with big-time stars. I believe O.J. Simpson's in the Towering Inferno. Yeah, but, <laughs> I recall that. But like William Holden, Steve McQueen, I think we're in two different movies and the studios decided to get together and go, look, we can't compete with each other on this. Let's just make one big movie. Nobody learned from the Towering Inferno as you're going to discover as we go over this podcast, because, yes, the Towering Inferno did really well, very well known movie, all this other stuff. But that did not stop the studios after this to make make similar films. Now, if you go look at that Wikipedia article. It starts in the 1920s. It starts in 1913, sorry. Now, at that time, too, you're talking about there's a lot of like people doing the same Shakespeare play or mm -hmm. things that are in the public domain, and they're putting it out there. Neither of us were alive back then, so I'm obviously going to start a little bit later. I have to assume that you're not going to put superhero movies in this because they come out all the time. Yeah. They're, they're, they don't have the same thing, but it's a person with superpowers. It's yeah. a, a similar story. Oh, yeah. And famously, within months of each other, Captain America Civil War and Batman v Superman came out. And everybody's, yeah. and that gets listed a lot in these twin movies thing. No. no. No, yeah, that's a superhero thing. Yeah. Like, And except for one case that I'm going to talk about in the second half, I'm not going to do these, like, sci-fi films that the Transformers come out and some budget studio makes something called the Transmorphers and or <laughs> you know the the Meg 2 is out right now and one of these yeah. movies is out there like Giant Shark 2 or something mm -hmm. stupid. Are they all produced by Chocobot? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, like another famous one is when Gremlins came out, the movie Ghoulies came out. And I'm not going to do that type of stuff, except, as I said, for one very famous thing. Most of those are canon films type crap, anyways. We've already okay. covered all that. But uh, let's get to these movies that came out the same year that have very similar plots that you might not even know, but they're very different movies. And I'm going to start with what I think is the greatest film ever made. That's Back to the Future. I was talking to her mom about that movie the other day, and I mentioned multiple times. That's his favorite. That's my brother's favorite movie. That's his favorite movie, mom. Back to the Future is famously written by a guy from St. Louis who he picked up his parents yearbook and he was like, yeah, I wonder if I would have been friends with my dad in high school, if we were in high school together. And that's how he came up with the plot of the movie. Somebody had a very similar thought of what if what if as an adult, I feel like I made a bad choice in high school, and if I could go back and change that, would I? Similar ideas, but the very mm -hmm. next year after Back to the Future, Peggy Sue Got Married came out. Oh, and I just <laughs> recently saw Peggy Sue Got Married from start to finish, maybe six months ago at our folks' house. That's I'd a great movie. Until then. I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it, because mm -hmm. I didn't think, I know that it would be on in our house. I believe our mom enjoys that movie a lot, and I never watch it, because I'm like, I don't want to watch this. I was enamored with it. The way these movies are similar is it is the main character going back in time. Now, in the case of in the case of Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly, he is a teenager going back in time. In the case of Kathleen Turner, she plays her younger self and mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage plays his younger yeah. self and all of that stuff. But 
a lot of people point to that as one of these. Okay, these movies have similar plots, but they're both well-respected movies. They both did, and they're well. both different. Oh yeah, like Peggy Sue Got Married is almost more dramatic than I would have expected it to be, and Back to the Future is this fun, comedic, sometimes action, sometimes romp type of movie. Before I get into some of the heavier stuff here, because this first half is going to have some heavy movies in it, this is something I wanted to put in here because I'm sure you saw both of these movies, and I think I saw one of these movies with you, and I was actually Uh. telling my son about a scene in this movie. The scene in the movie is Ken Griffey Jr. stealing a a home run from a Minnesota Twins player at the end. Little Big League, dude. I love that movie. Little Big League is great because the Twins don't win in the end, (laughs) and they make Ken Griffey Jr., who by all accounts is a nice dude, like the villain of the movie. Little Big League came out the same time as Rookie of the Year. Now, oh, two, those movies were my jam when I was a young kid, and like I've tried to go back and rewatch them. Little Big League holds up more than Rookie of the Year, but neither of those movies are very yeah. good, and they're very different. But again, it was this: somebody had some script about some kid associated mm-hmm. with baseball, and Rookie of the yep. Year is more of a fan. They're both fantasy movies, but Little Big yeah, League is a, a kid little breaks more. his arm, and he can. <laughs> and I love the thing about Rookie of the Year too, and why I think Little Big League is better. And Rookie of the Year, Gary Busey is the voice of reason. He's the old grizzled veteran pitcher <laughs> who helps this little Henry Rowan Gardner is the kid's name come along. And little big league, a kid takes over as manager of the twins. I know that's crazy, but that movie is if either of those, if you'd say that either of those are quote unquote realistic, little big league is closer to it because I could see some little kid who loves baseball, their grandfather letting them coach a team. Rookie of the year, the kid breaks his arm, can throw fastballs and Gary Busey is his voice of reason. <laughs> So I think the first time in my life I really remember hearing about the this concept of twin movies or two movies coming out at the same time was when the movie Platoon came out. Now, a lot of people will talk about what's a better Vietnam movie, Platoon or Full Metal Jacket came out just a, a few months, I think, later. And this is what I tell people all the time. They're both good movies. They're both Platoon is a little bit more kind of self-righteous, whereas Full Metal Jacket's a flat-out nightmare yeah. Full Metal Jacket's a better movie, though. I, I, I do overall, too. Platoon, though, the one that won all the awards and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And people will say, you know, these are two movies that are similar plots. Their plots are nothing alike. It's about Vietnam. Full Metal Jacket is a comedy that turns into a hard drama. <laughs> yeah. It's these. This was at the time where Vietnam veterans were starting to come to terms with what happened to them. And so there were a lot of other Vietnam movies, obviously. There was a movie Hamburger Hill also came out around that time. But... It wasn't compared to the Rambos and all that stuff. This was was more dealing with what's going on. I think of these movies a lot of the same way I think of The Five Bloods is Mm -hmm. in this same kind of genre. It's about Vietnam. Those movies are very different. I remember the first time, too, because I've seen both of these movies. I've only seen Platoon once. Platoon once. I've seen Full Metal Jacket a couple times. But I remember the first time. You told me to watch that movie. And as I'm watching, and again, I say I use comedy loosely, but that first hour of Full Metal Jacket is the drill sergeant and I'm going through stuff and everything. You're like, oh, this is kooky and weird and can be rough at times. And then when, spoiler for a movie that's been out forever, when D'Onofrio kills himself, that movie totally changes its tone and becomes, like you said, one of the scariest movies about mm-hmm. war that I think I've ever seen. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But to keep on with that, in 1998, Saving Private Ryan came out. Again, regarded as a great movie. As a matter of fact, I know a lot of people talk about, look, honestly, after the first 30 minutes of the movie, it's not that great. No, it's still pretty good. It's, uh, it's, it's a really good movie. <laughs> but a few months later, Terrence Malick, who hadn't made a movie in years, came out with The Thin Red Line. 
which is also a World War II movie. Now, I'm going to read you the cast, okay, for Thin Red Line, all right? Okay. Sean Penn, Adrian Brody, George Clooney, John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, Nick Nolte, John C. Riley, John Travolta, and Jim Caviezel. Man, (laughs) get rid of a few of those guys, and I really want to see that one, especially the last one. Jared Leto's also in it in a small part. I think Mickey Rourke is. I know I've said this before on the podcast when we recorded, but Jim Caviezel is a horrible, yeah, conservative. And he's he's a guy who played Jesus in What's Its Face's movie, another horrible person. Torture porn movie. Yeah. And after that movie, I heard somebody say who worked with him, he signs his autograph as JC now. Mm -hmm. Like, how horrible of a person do you have to be to conflate yourself with? Christ, who believe in him or not, still somebody that most likely existed. And then just to become the person that he's become today, it's upsetting. But there's a lot of other people I'd like to watch in that movie. And Terrence Malick is, he's very hit or miss with me, but when he makes a good movie, I really like it. I'll say this, the thin red line, I used to call the movie the thin plot line because (laughs) when I saw it, I was bored to tears. And I watched it again a few years ago as somebody had encouraged me, no, you ought to really watch it. And it's a better movie. It's more akin to a Vietnam-era type movie. It's not celebrating World War II. Not that I'm saying Saving Private Ryan celebrates wow. it, but it's it's very heroic. Thin Red Line is not heroic. And yeah. also, Saving Private Ryan takes place in, in Europe, whereas this movie takes place in the Pacific Theater. So two very different ideas. I know one of the movies that came up on this was Clint Eastwood did two movies about, about the Battle of Guam, but he directed both of them, and he did one from the oh, American so. point of view and one from the Japanese point of view. So I yeah. didn't really, would not really talk about that. And then to continue along disturbing, Ty, so <laughs> I can't remember what year this was, and I don't want to dig through this huge list. I want to say it was late 20, early 20 teens or something like that. But there was a movie that came out that uh, I think Jody Hill wrote and directed it, had Seth Rogen in it, called Observe and Report. I quite enjoy that movie. It is dark and bleak <laughs> and incredibly grim. If you're going in expecting a stoner Seth Rogen comedy, it's the wrong movie no. for you to watch. It got destroyed that summer by Paul mm-hmm. Blart Malkoff. <laughs> Of course. See, that's probably what all the Seth Rogen fans expected to see, and they went and saw that. Oh, Kevin James is a fine alternative. Observer Report is, I go back and I think of Eastbound and Down, Vice Principles, and now Righteous Gemstones. And if you were to go back and watch Observer Report, now you can see what they, what Danny McBride, Jody Hill, his whole crew were building to. There's a sex scene in Observer Report between Anna Ferris and Seth Rogen that makes me more uncomfortable than some pornography that I've seen in my past. Michael Pena gets shot and killed in that movie. Like, Observant Report is not a raunchy, super bad-ass thing. It is a hard R, a deserved R, and an incredibly dark comedy movie. I Luckily, I can say I've never seen any Paul Blart movie. I don't know what it's about. I'm sure it's stupid. Yeah, I'm sure it is, too. I can't, I, I've seen Observant Report. And I do want to tell people if they're like, I'm not going to see it because of, of the stupid Paul Blart mall cop movie. Yeah, this is a not. much, much better film. It is dark, too, man. Now, those were a few I wanted to highlight. Again, you go to this list, and I don't agree with some of these. They had the movie The Raid, just like the Judge Dredd one with what's his name? Raid's different. Yeah, they're both. They're very Judge different. Dredd is the one with Carl Irvin. Yeah, yeah. Voice. But they're yeah, like, Raid's oh, different. Raid's they're going different. through a building. No, that's nah. not it. So people will bring up some of those. But the big ones that people are going to bring up, and I just wanted to highlight, use this first half for it, are the ones based on toy lines. So okay, <laughs> you had... 
I talked about this when we talked about the Transformers, but the GoBots were actually first. And I don't even know what that is. GoBots? Oh, God. They go... Uh, sorry, Mom and Dad, I'm going to say this, but <laughs> when I would wake up Christmas morning and open a present and it was a GoBot, not a Transformers, <laughs> it's like, okay, they're keeping out here. <laughs> <laughs> Our parents worked very hard to give us good Christmases. <laughs> yes, they did. But <laughs> GoBots were always like, oh, hey, I want a Transformer for Christmas. It's like the Lee Carvello putting challenge. That <laughs> <laughs> hey, March said that the guy said it was the most popular game yeah. in the store. You had the Transformers were much bigger than the GoBots, and the GoBots had <laughs> okay. their cartoon and stuff. But in the same year, you had the Transformers movie open up against the Battle of the GoBots. And I am ashamed to say I've never seen Battle of the GoBots. So people say, look, two movies about transforming robots. I'm like, they're stupid toy lines, okay? Yeah, totally. You also had in the same year, as the early 90s, you had the Street Fighter movie, one of my favorite, like, it's probably my favorite worst movie because it's an awful movie. The movie is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But you had Street Fighter open up the same time as Mortal Kombat, which I love. I love Mortal Kombat. I like playing both of those video games. I don't think they've made a proper movie for either one. And I was the new was Mortal so Kombat was really good at the beginning, and then I thought good that, at the end. That fight scene between yeah between Scorpion and Sub Zero was great. Both Everything of them, I think, the first and the flat. last one were really good. And then the way that movie ended again, spoiler for that. But like, who cares about Johnny Cage? Who's excited to see Carl Urban's going to play him? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if they got. <laughs> everybody says I sound and look like Seth Rogen. I don't care if they got <laughs> Seth Rogen to play him. It's a, Johnny Cage is a character I don't care about. And then this isn't really, it is toy line and all that, but in the same year you had Freddy versus Jason open against alien versus predator. <laughs> I, I'd much rather watch <laughs> alien versus predator. Cause I like the alien movies and I like the predator movies much more than I like Freddy and, and the Halloween. Movies. Here's the thing I'll say. I've seen both of these movies actually are not Halloween. What is Jason in? Uh, he's in uh, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th and the, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Sorry, I don't yeah. want people to yell at us online about that. I have seen both of these movies, and this is what I'll say, is the Freddy vs. Jason movie is literally a when are they going to get to the fireworks kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the difference is when they finally do, it's, it's a pretty kick-ass fight. The Aliens okay. vs. Predator movie decides to go through all this weird mythical <laughs> mythology and all this other stuff that you never <laughs> see them really fight. Isn't that the whole idea of the new Predator movie, though? Yeah. Is giving you the backstory where Predator came from? I say, speaking of Mortal Kombat, I think it was just a tweet somebody put out there, but they said the guy that played Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat movie, mm-hmm. that somebody needs to make a samurai movie where he's like a fallen samurai because something killed his master and it was a Predator and the whole movie is oh. hunting the Predator. <laughs> see, I'd watch the hell out of that. And you know what? As excited as I was to see that new Mortal Kombat movie that came out and the little I knew about the Predator that came out, the Predator movie was oh, God, yeah. way better yeah, than Prey. the Mortal Kombat oh, yeah, movie. Was, yeah, Prayer. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't think of the name of it. I'm going to end this half tie with movies that definitively have the exact same subject matter that came out the same year or within a year of each other. But I'm not going to – I'm going to – the best one I'm going to save for last here. But the reason I put these together, these are either documentaries or they're documentaries and a dramatic movie. Okay. Let me rephrase that a little bit. Some of these are both dramatic movies, but you had 
um, the movie Capote, where um, Capote, where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. won his Oscar. Uh-huh. At the yeah. same time, there was a movie, exact same plot and everything, called Infamous, where Toby Jones, I think, played. Toby Jones, yeah. yeah. I was listening to an old How Did This Get Made, and they mentioned that. And I was like, oh, I forgot those two movies came out and I've, the same I've seen both of them, and I think they're both really good movies. But they literally came out the same time. I haven't seen either of them, but our mom loves the Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. Capote movie. And then speaking of Toby Jones, he plays Winston Churchill in the movie a few years ago, the same year that The Darkest Hour came out, that Gary Oldman wins the Oscar for playing Winston Churchill. Haven't seen it. Have you seen those? Because I know your college was big Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, it's probably why I'm tired of Winston Churchill. I (laughs) secretly think the guy's a monster. And then there was also in one year, there were two movies. Again, Toby Jones played Alfred Hitchcock in a movie called The Girl, which was, it was a, a British film, but it was on HBO. And it was based off a book where a woman talked about how Alfred Hitchcock was a sexual predator. And oh. people really got mad at that movie. At the same time, what's his name? Hannibal Lecter. Why can't I think? Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Plays Alfred Hitchcock in a movie called Hitchcock, which is a little bit more nice looking at Alfred Hitchcock. Is that the one with Michelle Williams playing Marilyn Monroe? No, that's a Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I know Scarlett Johansson, I think, is in the, okay. the Toby Jones one. All these movies you mentioned, I've heard of them. I have not seen any of them. Yeah. Now, these last ones here, again, these are a documentary and a dramatic film that came out at the same time. The subject matter was ripe, and I think there might have been some coordination. One was the documentary RBG about Ruth Bader Ginsburg came out right when the oh God, the girl that played Jen Urso in Rogue One. She uh, she plays. You should know that. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but <laughs> she plays a young Ruth Bader Ginsburg on a movie called "On the Basis of Sex," and so it's, it's not Daisy Ridley, but no, I know it's Felicity something. Or, Felicity something. Yeah. yeah, she's on the cover of Rogue One. Yeah, I just can't yeah. think of her name right no, now. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> that then, great actor. Yeah. And then there was the two Mister Rogers movies, oh, "A Wonderful yeah. Day in the Neighborhood," and God, I can't remember the other one. I, the, one the one with, with Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and the dude from uh, The Americans who was in cocaine bear married to yeah. felicity terry yeah. russell i yeah. can't think it matthew See, reese yeah we're doing bad today <laughs> but ty in the same year and i know I, I believe you saw both of these i know i sure as hell saw both of them and i have a very <laughs> strong opinion about which one is better than the other but okay. you had on netflix and on hulu you had two documentaries about the fire festival yep i prefer the hulu one the hulu one is a little more informative in my opinion is is the hulu one is that the one that has what's his name on it billy mcfarlane no i think that's the netflix one that has him on there no i just, I, I just <laughs> tapped it no the hulu one's the one that has him on there okay all right i actually like that one more the one that gets okay. a lot of love is the one that was on netflix jerry media they did it there yeah and it's good it's well done even with the problems with jerry media and sure. but what's interesting about this one is the billy mcfarlane they didn't pay him enough to do it so he ends mm-hmm. up running to hulu and says pay me this much money and i'll do it and they say fine everybody bashed on hulu but he does not come <laughs> off good in that he nor ja i think that's Rule. why i like that one because <laughs> the hulu one is more he, here's everything mm-hmm. you deal with it where the netflix one the problems with jerry media i had i knew about that going in so i was already not interested in it but the hulu one tells you it's everything yeah here you go here's what we did 
And I feel like the Netflix one, not that it glamorizes them or anything, but it's like, look at all these rich people doing rich people yeah. things where Hulu's like, this is the story we're telling you guys. Yeah, I agree with you because the one on Netflix was like, ha ha, rich people got screwed over, ha ha. Uh-huh. Whereas the Hulu one does because it's their own words. Look, yeah. not that I had all the respect in the world for Ja Rule before I no. <laughs> watched it, but it is more like... I saw Billy McFarlane's name the other day, and I'm like, he's still relevant. Who cares about that? (laughs) But those tie, those were the movies that all had similar idea, but were told very differently. The second half, I'm just going to straight up tell you about ripoffs. Sounds good. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, I'm going to start this half off. I'm going somewhat loosely chronologically, but I'm going to start this half off actually with a movie, the movie that inspired me to do this, because I remember this. I remember seeing one of these movies actually at the High Point Theater. And nice. High Point's dope. Yep. Still open, too. It survived the pandemic, which is awesome. And it was after I'd moved here, so I must have been visiting or something. But I remember a lot okay. of people would tell me, you should go see this movie. And they would say, do you like The Prestige? I'm like, I love The Prestige. It's one of my favorite movies. And it's a movie with Edward Norton in it called The Illusionist. Now, have you heard of this? Never seen it. I've heard of it. I've also never seen The Prestige. Oh, Prestige I need to see, is great. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen the previews. I think I can even pick out like the movie poster where Ed Norton almost looks like a vampire on it. But I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, The Illusionist has got Ed Norton, Paul Giamatti, Jessica Biel, Rufus Sewell in a just creepy-ass role. Both movies are about magicians at the turn of the 19th to 20th century and how they pull off these tricks. And it's... The movies are so incredibly similar, but you read about this, how each of them were made. It, it was literally one of those parallel thinking things. It wasn't a spec script. Christopher Nolan and his brother wrote their say, script. Didn't he direct Prestige? Yeah. It yeah. wasn't so, it wasn't a spec script. It's just people came up with these ideas. And the, and again, Prestige, I think, is an all time top tier movie. The Illusionist, though, is a movie that gets lost because of that, because it's a very similar plot. But I implore people, go watch it. It is really good and it's got such a good ending 
And, okay. and as a matter of fact, there's more super, a lot of people say the illusionist is the supernatural movie. No, the prestige has more supernatural stuff in it. And anybody that's seen both of them knows what I'm talking about, but okay. um, it's a really good movie. I wanted was to bring that the up. first, Oh, with the prestige, is that the first time Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale yes. worked together? Too? Yes, so is. that's okay. Yeah. Who directed The Illusionist? Oh, the, God, who is the guy that directed it? Neil Berger. Oh, and no idea who that is. Yeah, he, Divergent, Limitless. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, <laughs> no, it, it is a very good movie. But I wanted to kick off with that. But yeah, I said I wasn't going to do these blatant ripoffs, but, and I brought this up during the canon one, but I had to bring it up that the fact of First Blood Part 2 Canon couldn't make, so they made Missing in Action with Chuck Norris. And that is mm-hmm. the spirit of a lot of these movies. Just if it's not exactly the same, it's a pure and utter ripoff of movies sure. that were people thought were going to be successful. So obviously, Rambo First Blood Part Two is a much, much bigger film than Missing in Action. I need to tell you too, like, so when I was in Mexico last week, there was a day my wife went to the spa, I went and ran, then I came back and I had like three hours of free time and the movie nope was on i'm like cool i'll watch this it was on hbo in english so i'm like awesome i watched that and when that was done i still had an hour to kill and i found rambo first blood just the first one but it was in spanish and that movie <laughs> is awesome in spanish <laughs> yeah, yeah i was so into it and hearing the person dubbed over playing rambo's voice it was like i told my wife she got back this is the only way you should watch any rambo movies in spanish absolutely that's the it was awesome it just shows you the words don't mean a thing in those movies (laughs) exactly yeah because i know the whole story and i if even if i didn't i could have followed it but to hear the dubbed over actors amazing and before people yell at me i said it was the gobots battle of the earth it's battle of the rock lord so all you gobots fans out there first off i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) they come after you you didn't correct yourself you also had in in the 1980s you had the movie canine with Jim Belushi being a cop who has to oh, work with a dog. I remember seeing that at Blockbuster. Came out the same time as the movie Turner, Turner and Hooch. Which is a better movie. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it's got Tom Hanks in it. You're going to pick a dog movie with Jim Belushi or Tom Hanks. Come <laughs> yeah. on, people. And so that that's what I mean by these movies. Now, here's the one that kind of surprised me a little bit. And I've only seen one of these movies. I'll probably only ever see this one movie. But the movie Tombstone... <laughs> And the movie Wyatt Earp came out the same time. Now, do you have you seen Tombstone? I, I haven't seen either of them, and this is a problem I have. There's only really one Western movie I like, and that's Logan. Mm-hmm. I don't like most Western movies, so this is all for you to oh, talk yeah. about. I was going to say Tombstone. I think is a really good movie, and what surprised me about this is I thought Tombstone would have been more successful than Wyatt Earp. They actually neither of them were that successful. Tombstone's mm-hmm. gone on to become very famous, yeah. but Kurt Russell playing Wyatt Earp and Val Kilmer playing Doc Holliday in probably one of the greatest Val Kilmer roles ever. He, That's what I've heard people say about it. It's it, like Tombstone's a good movie about what the West was like and how they're trying to take this lawless area. I don't know what happened. The rumors out there is Kevin Costner was upset that he didn't get the part of Wyatt Earp in Tombstone, so he produced his own Wyatt Earp movie, okay. which is an, an hour longer. <laughs> and Tombstone's got some great fight scenes in it. It's got some great gunfights and it. it's got, you know, a who's who of those guys. Hey, I know that guy. Hey, I know that guy. Whereas Wyatt Earp is just slow and plodding. I, I want to say Costner even had like writing credit on it. So it was oh, a case wow. of 
well, fine, you're not going to let me be in your wider movie. I'm going to make my own wider movie. And it sucked. And I don't know that. I've seen that. That's just what everybody says. I should say also Logan and Blazing Saddles. That's the other oh, yeah. movie I yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about destruction here. Now, there's something to be said that Barbie and Oppenheimer both deal with the destruction of reality, the destruction okay. of our Earth. So I could put those in place, but they're very different movies. They're not They're not at all like that. Spoiler alert, people. They're not. You had in the same year, and I'm going to do two different ones here. And these weren't all in the same year, but these movies. So one year, for some reason, we all decided Volcanoes was our thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the movie Dante's Peak with Pierce Brosnan in it opened around, and I think in the same summer, as the movie Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones. And uh, what's her name that just passed away? And something. God, I can't think of anybody. I know everybody. Anne Hayes? Yes, Anne Hayes. So okay. Dante's Peak is about like volcano hunters or whatever. And I've never going seen after these this, movies. I, I don't even know these movies. I haven't seen about. these movies either. But Dante's Peak was like <laughs> these volcano hunters that I think are in Washington State that a volcano is going to blow up and they got to evacuate the town. Volcano is about mm-hmm. how Los Angeles is on top of an active volcano that blows. <laughs> okay, that sounds... Both of these movies sound awful. And I like Pierce Brosnan. I'll watch him in most anything. I liked Anne Heche when she was around in acting and stuff, but these movies sound... These don't sound good at all. Who's having a big... Like, John Mulaney has a great bit about when... He says, when I was a kid, I was worried about quicksand. Turns out it's never involved <laughs> me in my adult time. Yeah. I feel about volcanoes. And here's the thing. Dante's Peak was trying to be serious. Okay, it's about people that are trying to evacuate yeah. a town and do all this other stuff. And I guess somebody saw that they were being made and they're like, let's make our own volcano movie. And they're like, but we don't want to be like Dante's Peak. Let's make Los Angeles a volcano and blow it up. <laughs> but that's like, and by all accounts, calling your movie Volcano, and by all accounts, this movie that came out that you told me about got good reviews, but calling your movie Volcano is like calling your movie Plane. Exactly <laughs> what you're getting. And Plane got good reviews. Yes, it did. And they're making a sequel to it, I heard. But like, yeah, both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's something, maybe it's me too here, but like going to see Napoleon Dynamite, I know I'm going to watch this movie about a dorky kid named Napoleon Dynamite, which I want to see. I don't want to go watch a movie <laughs> called Volcano to see a volcano erupt in Los Angeles. Another one I came across, even though I think they're wildly different movies, but Executive Decision and Air Force One came out within the year of each other. I've seen Air Force One. There's one thing I remember about Air Force One. Harrison Ford is a Michigan fan of that movie. That's all I know about that movie. <laughs> The other disaster films that I wanted to talk about is, and this is when I really realized this is a phenomenon. Gosh, again, I can't have the, I don't know the year off the top of my head, but you had two movies wildly being publicized about, about the earth being destroyed. One was a comet was going to hit the earth and the other was an asteroid. And so we had the summer of deep impact and Armageddon. Now, (laughs) never seen deep impact and I, despise the movie Armageddon. (laughs) So I'm going to go on a rant here for a moment. (laughs) Deep Impact is a stupid movie because it's trying to be serious. So they got the, I think it was Mimi Leader, a woman who was famous for directing ER. So she's used to directing these melodramas, comes in to direct this movie about a comet hitting the earth. And I will fully admit when that comet, when they finally get to the fireworks factory and that comet (laughs) hits the earth, it looks great. And you see the head of the okay. Statue of Liberty, big tidal wave pops it off. 
But again, they're trying to make a serious movie, which I get. And there's the whole plot is they have to get to like middle Missouri to this vault and only certain number of people are going to get there. The Simpsons made fun of this. I was going to say, why does anybody want to go to middle Missouri? Yeah. Too? Oh, Lisa, you're the <laughs> ship's proofreader. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can only pick one pair. Do you want mom? Like yeah. she says right yeah. away. <laughs> so it's hold on. But Homer has one of my favorite lines after that. It's OK, Lisa. Remember me as I am. Filled with murderous rage. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I no, had to get that out <laughs> Yes, I get you're trying to make a drama, but look, I'm sitting in the movie theater. I want to see the earth beat up. Yeah. Armageddon is <laughs> the polar opposite <laughs> because Armageddon tells you an asteroid the size of Texas is going to come and hit the earth. And man, they blow Paris up. They blow everything up. The movie is yep. makes no sense, but I encourage everybody go out there. And I guess there is a recent 4K that Ben Affleck does the commentary on. Okay. You've got to listen to the scene where he's, oh, yeah, here's the scene where he's like, oh, we don't need astronauts. We need drillers. And I looked over yeah. at, <laughs> I looked over at Michael Bay and said, Can't, isn't it easier to teach astronauts how to drill? And Michael Bay looked at me and said, shut the F up. And, <laughs> and then he's like, he just makes fun of it the whole time. <laughs> I think that was the first time I saw a Michael Bay movie where I'm like, maybe this dude isn't a good director. Oh, also. <laughs> I remember I saw that movie and I had just started to date this girl who 10 years later became my wife. So I have no idea why she did that. But I, I remember, oh, we should go see this Armageddon. This pretty cool movie. It's pretty exciting. And to this day, she'll be like, that's the dumbest damn movie I've ever seen. <laughs> that movie is so bad. And I love Bruce Willis. He was so underused in that movie. Ben Affleck is, oh, that was before he became the Ben Affleck he is now. Ving Rhames is, they might as well have called him Token in that movie because that's who he is. That movie is ter absolutely a terrible movie. And then that stupid Aerosmith song that is in that movie that everybody talks about. I hate it so much. There's a lot. Steve Buscemi's in that movie. Owen Wilson's in that movie. There's good people in that movie. And it is so bad. It is such a bad movie. It is is awful. I mean, I I made, after I saw that and my wife or my girlfriend at the time said that, I'm like, maybe I need to rethink it. It was like, but I will admit I was on a business trip like a year or so ago and, it was about the middle part of that movie, and damn, if I didn't sit there for 40 minutes watching it. <laughs> and please forgive me, people, and I, I'm not going to look it up or anything. It might be Michael Clark Duncan or Ving Rhames. I just know they have one African Oh, I think it's African. Michael Clark Duncan, actually. Yeah, But yeah, again, so, yeah. they might as well have named him Token, like yeah. the creators of South Park did. And then this, I remember both of these movies coming out, and I didn't think of it one way or the other, but their plots are very similar. In 2013, This is the End and The World's End both came out the same year. Both movies I love. Oh, yeah, they're great movies. This is the end is the quote-unquote Christian apocalypse or whatever is happening. The devil comes down and smites all these people. The world's end is like aliens. Yeah. And so those are the guys who did. That's Nick Frost, Simon Pegg. Yeah, that's their one trilogy. Shaun of the Dead thing, yeah. yeah. And I really like, I I enjoy, I saw This is the End with my wife in the theaters. We went to like when they still had dining theaters and watched it. And I thought it was great. Jay Baruchel is fantastic in that movie and talk about people foreseeing he's the one his whole role in that movie is how much he hates jonah hill and now jonah hill's coming out as a bad guy the world's end simon Pegg is so good in that because he finally plays like the guy who will never grow up and nick frost gets to be the grown-up one in that movie and i think i would probably put that one hot fuzz is good but i think i like the world's end a little bit more than i like hot fuzz nothing will surpass Shaun of the dead for me Mm -hmm. but 
that's a really good i think that's a criminally underrated movie too yeah both of those movies people go watch them they're really good yeah so here's movies that are again the plots are almost exactly the same but i don't think people i think people should realize they're told in a different way so the first one i'm going to use is the truman show and ed tv Okay, and Truman Show is a way better movie. And it's a more <laughs> serious movie. Ed TV yes. is a comedy. And it's, yeah, it's with Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey yeah, and, and Ron Howard directed that movie. Yeah, and who's the girl in that? The girl like had a moment on Jenna Elfman, I think, is the girl yes, in that movie. Yeah, and but th- both of those movies. Now, what's interesting about that is Ron Howard was developing Ed TV when the Truman Show basically got done. And he, uh, a lot of people told him it was uh, like, you keep going back to the Simpsons, but uh, yeah. the guy, hey, his producer. <laughs> that's that, what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this is almost like Ron Howard's joke about the Truman Show is he thought the movie was going to be too serious and not be successful. So he's like, I'll continue with Ed TV. And he's even said, hey, yeah, that movie's better than mine. <laughs> yeah, good. Right. At least he admits that. <laughs> but Ed TV, again, I, I saw it in the theaters, I remember. I don't remember thinking it's bad. It's not the Truman Show. Everybody's like, no. they have the same plots. I remember seeing Ed TV as well in the movie theater and thinking, okay, that was better than I thought it was going to be. The Truman Show is a masterpiece. Oh, no, it is. You're the one who told me to watch that movie. It's the first time I've seen a movie where they take a whole you know genre and turn it on its head. Ed Harris is incredible. Mm-hmm. Laura Lindy, that's the first time I saw her, and it's like mm-hmm. totally blown away by her acting. And Jim Carrey, like that was the first time I saw him and thought, okay, he can do drama. Truman Show is an absolute, it's one of my favorite movies no, of all it, time. It's an absolute masterpiece. Totally is. And then, again, very similar plots, do it different, is the year the James Bond movie Spectre came out, you also had uh, the... Mission Impossible Rogue Nation came out, and both movies are. I haven't are, seen either of those. Oh, gosh. I, Spectre, yeah. Rogue Nation, I think, is really good. A lot of people think it's probably the best Mission Impossible movie so okay. far. But both so are. So I haven't seen a Mission Impossible since the first one. And is Spectre, or is it Casino Royale where Mads Mickelson cries blood? Casino Royale. Okay, that's the last Bond movie <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. then was that yeah. one. No, Spectre was trying too hard to feed all these different Bond mythology things, whereas. Okay. The Mission Impossible movies, they're building their own. Isn't, is Simon Pegg in it at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, right. it's, gosh, I want to say it was three or four from ago. There's so many. Mm-hmm. but the, So that's another one that has it. The one, though, and I thought the story was funny, is there were two movies about buddies that just have sex together, like guy and girl. There was mm-hmm. Friends with Benefits oh, yeah. and No Strings Attached. Came out like with a couple of months <laughs> of each other. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen either of them, but yeah. yeah. I remember just seeing the posters for those, though, and thinking that the Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake one looked better because they look like they have more chemistry than Kucher and Natalie Portman. They're both in 2011. The movie No Strings Attached, which is the one with, I think that's one with Ashton Kuchter and and the hell's wrong with me? Natalie, Natalie Portman, Portman yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at all these different screens. So yeah. No Strings Attached. Usually movies, when they go into production, they have a working title. While it, it's not always the movie. So No Strings Attached had the title Friends with Benefits. Oh, but okay. what they wanted to name the movie was, can't say the word here. So F-Buddies? Yes. Fun Buddies? And so while they were it. making this, Friends with Benefits went into production and it got finished. Right around the same time, No Strings Attached couldn't go back to their old name. So they had to create oh, a new name. Oh, man. So whoever made Friends with Benefits swooped in yeah. the last second there. And also, speaking of the term that we couldn't say on this podcast, 
I remember people, if you haven't seen it, go watch a 40 year old version, the scene where Jane Lynch is talking to Steve Carell about becoming that mm-hmm. one of the funniest forms <laughs> yeah. of acting I've ever seen. And speaking of Ashton Kutcher, who by everything I know, he's a, he's a good dude. He's all this other yeah. stuff. Not a great actor. No, he, he's a, he was good in the movie Vengeance that I saw uh, last year, but uh, he yeah he's not a good actor. So near the end of Steve Jobs' life, the famous book, I think, great book, Walter I- Isaacson wrote a biography on him, and pretty much after he died, there was a race to do a movie about him. And then you had one side, you had Danny Boyle directing, you had Aaron Sorkin <laughs> writing it, they had Michael Fassbender, and they had Kate, uh, Winslet. Kate Winslet, Seth Rogen. Uh, yeah, plays Wozniak in that. It's so you had this movie going to production. Well, Ashton Kutcher went because he always wanted to play Steve Jobs and rushed a Steve Jobs biopic into the movie theaters, and everybody hated it. Yeah, because he had <laughs> Josh Gad play Wozniak. Like, yeah. the, the Danny Boyle is one of my favorite directors, and that Michael Fassbender picks movies that are weird, mm-hmm. but when he picks something that's a drama like that with a good director, that's a movie's an absolute home run. Kate Winslet's great in that. Seth Rogen is barely in it, but mm-hmm. he's great. That Steve Jobs movie is, I've seen both of them, mm-hmm. is so much better than oh, the yeah. Ashton. The Ashton Kutcher one is, like, Steve Jobs is like some kind of cool dude yes, who makes yeah. computers where Fassbender plays he's an ass. jerk he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> jerk he was in real life. <laughs> yeah. So time going to end on the one that I need to totally see. I've been making myself see this, but it was just, again, trying to figure out what the hell's happening here. Now, I told you at the beginning, early on, it used to be things in, like, public domain that people would do. Oh, we're going to all do Shakespeare plays. We're going to do this. There's one year. We talked about 10 Things I Hate About You last week. Julia Stiles that year was in three different versions of Shakespeare movies. She was oh, in really? the Othello version. She was in the Hamlet oh, version. Yeah. She was in 10... 10- so that was a good year for her and Shakespeare. Yeah, for sure. But you get these things that are in the public domain, so people try to score on them because they don't have to spend a lot of money. And so you had two studios, and this was just last year, that decided they were going to take the story of Pinocchio and bring it to the modern audience. Oh, yeah. The first one came from Disney and Robert Zemeckis with yeah. Tom Hanks as Geppetto. And it's supposed only, to be really bad, right? Yes. It only went to <laughs> Disney+, Plus and everybody said... Tom Hanks, he either his worst performance of his, his life came in 2022 and it was either Elvis or Pinocchio. Okay. <laughs> Neither movie I've seen. The other one, which was just quiet for a while, was an animated film that came out in the late of the year, late in the year, Guillermo del Toro's Pokia, or Pinocchio. I didn't know he made one. Oh, it won the Oscar for Best Animated Film. I gotta say, <laughs> oh, I love Guillermo del Toro. You just gotta look at the poster of it. It is incredible. And everybody's like, this movie is incredible. <laughs> it is so okay. good. So I gotta watch that. Now. So Disney is, they like Tom Hanks, let's do this. And everybody's like, oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> and then Guillermo del Toro goes, you like Pinocchio? Well, now I'm gonna give you nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny to me. I wonder, like, again, I'm not making jokes or anything, but I wonder if long COVID... Tom Hanks has it, maybe, because <laughs> I haven't seen that Pinocchio, but I've heard it's bad. And then I've seen the clips of him playing <laughs> Colonel Tom or whatever. Colonel Tom Parker. Yeah. And that's absolutely insane to me. And I love Tom Hanks, but Guillermo del Toro, I love his movies for the most part. And you say it's going to give you nightmares. That's how I felt about Pants Labyrinth, which yeah. is, quote unquote, a kid's story. So I'm very curious. It's to on see Netflix. As I said, I okay. haven't seen it yet. It is on Netflix. He Again, he did win the Oscar for it. So obviously yeah, yeah. people are like, give him credit. He decided Disney wants to redo Pinocchio. I'm going to redo it and I'm going to beat him. 
And he, I think that's awesome. A lot of people are saying that obviously the old night Walt Disney Pinocchio is, is an iconic film, but everybody's saying mm-hmm. this is it. This is the Pinocchio of this right. is the story. And it's yeah, because I've seen the original Pinocchio countless times. I love that movie as a kid. All right, Ty, if they need you when they're doing their competing <laughs> biopics of Seth Rogen and they need you for one, where are they going to find you? <laughs> I'm going to have to find a way to regrow hair because <laughs> I got the beard and apparently the laugh, but unfortunately I'm bald. No, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff at seedsing.com, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I have, I'm going to be dedicated to football for the next almost two weeks because the season's right around the corner. So if you like football, come read that. If you don't like football, go read my past stuff. I, like I said, I got back from Mexico. I wrote about all the lizards who just hang out at the resort who were red. And I also got a bunch of other stuff on there. So check that out, Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I've appeared on the podcast Chucklehead Chat a few times with my buddy Glenn Adams, host. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. But most importantly, find me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Listen to us, rate us, review us. Check out our Patreon. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we repeat all that. The Ex-Millennial Man, Seedsing. Also, we've released the second episode of uh, First Watch Rewatch. You can find it if you search for Public Forum Productions or First Watch we Rewatch. You can find it. Uh, shout out to another podcast I listened to. They talked about uh, um, Tina and I talking about the Apple and they're like, nice. you want to hear people say something good about the most terrible movie ever? And I'm like, I corrected them saying one person says good things. The other one doesn't. <laughs> I, I'm going to be watching Grease 2 next week. You need to watch Buckaroo Bonsai. And I, I'm going to watch The Room. start school yeah. on, mm-hmm. on, on Monday. I'm yeah. going to watch it next week. And then I'm going to watch The Room, and we're going to get those. And I got a few other ones we're going to work on. So with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we are here every Saturday for free where you find your fine podcasting shows. And all right, Ty, that's it. My kid's in school. It's just your turn now. That's right. Stay fresh, cheese bags. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.